We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2022 Sony Open DraftKings picks and preview. Remember to smash the like button of the episode, sub to Mayo Media Network, sub to the newsletter if you want my ownership guesses and final betting card. Those will come out on Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon. Depends on what time I wake up, really. But I'm like time zones ahead of you guys, so it'll be like morning for you. Uh, But that's free to join. Please go do that. And give me your two favorite 6K plays down in the description on YouTube as well. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please go rate the show five stars. Just scroll down to the bottom, click five stars. And if you have Apple Podcasts, but also have Spotify and you're not subscribed over at Spotify, you don't need to subscribe, I suppose, although that would help. Just click on Pat Mayo Experience, tap five stars, get the hell out of there. And I will thank you for your service on that. It takes about 10 seconds. So please go do that. The one and done is almost full. Less than 400 spots remain. It starts on Thursday. If you're on the fence or just waiting for whatever reason to go get your entry, go do that right now because it's about to be filled. And I don't want to hear you complaining two days from now. It's like, whoa, I was waiting. It's like, well, you had three fucking weeks. What are we doing here? Just go get your spot right now. FantasyGolfChampionships.com. $125 to play in the race for the Mayo Cup. Up to five entries. If you want to play for something a little bit less than 
that? Well, the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League is now available. It's um, like 80% full. It's down in the description. I go click on the link. $15 to play, three max entry, no rake. All my stats and lineup generator and simulator are provided by fantasynational.com. Go to fantasynational.com slash mayo and get yourself... 20% off any level of membership. Rick Gaiman from rickrungood.com is on the line to break down the first full field event of the year. This feels like real golf. Last week did not. Real golf, uh, full field. We're going to have a cut sweat on Friday. We're still in Hawaii. It's still primetime golf. This It's a really good way to kick off the new year with a full field event, Pat. And it's always good to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Are you doing the cut sweat show every week now on your channel? <sighs> Probably not. Yeah, no. yeah. So what I, you, you tried it. You tried it. <laughs> Listen. So I'll, I'll still do. Uh, I'll have a Friday live show with with Andy Lack, but it'll be earlier in the morning. It won't necessarily be a cut sweat. The problem, Pat, is it's so hard to like um, get the information in real time and the day. It's just like half the time we don't even have shot link. So it's 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 kind of hard to do a cut sweat every single week. Yeah, someone, because we do it for players, we do it for all the majors between Jeff, Tim, and I, and then like sometimes you hop on, sometimes Ben hops on. It's just kind of like a, it's more of a watch along more than anything than it is a show. But at least for those Correct. events, like there's eight set, like for the players, it was great. I could stream any player that I wanted and tell you what was going on. It was awesome. But we, we toyed with the idea of doing the every week. It's like, one, I don't want to give up my Friday nights for one thing. That sucks. And then that, does anyone fair. really care? Like people have, although the PGA Tour app is horrendous now. It takes like a minute to load for is that is that just me am i the only one who's dealing with this no it reloads itself every time you open it which is pure insanity so if you're just trying to get like five minutes later the update on cam smith or cam davis i only obviously roster cams it has to reload the whole thing then you got to click into the leaderboard again it's absolutely insane uh the other thing about the the watch along cut sweat is i i once uh, i once shared my screen pat and immediately the stream got shut down because i was showing like action from golf channel or whatever and i got dinged for it so i've gotten a little gun shy recently i i could see that that was always the one good thing about <laughs> our old studios we had everything in front of us uh with no reflection anywhere so we made sure that there was no copyright infringement because yeah they'll ding you for that pretty quickly yeah they must have some bots out there looking for whatever they know is currently on their air it was literally like two minutes i was shut down so pretty impressive technology not great for the content creator no not at all but you'd think they would be more proactive like the nba was like the nba used to like this is like Jeez, probably like eight nine years ago they basically said on youtube it's like yeah all of our all of our content game content whatever it is no copyright on it do whatever you would like with this content make highlight videos do whatever and it was one of the reasons like nba had that surge in like the mid you know 2010s was all these new people were just able to acquire all the highlights anything that they wanted from youtube and have people like talk over them like imagine if we were doing our show it's like hey let's talk about tom hoagie right now he's hot with his irons and it like cuts to tom hoagie like sticking it to two feet like from the middle of the fairway it would really enhance a lot of these shows be a whole lot of work by the way don't, don't, don't pretend like it wouldn't be that'd be it would take like five more hours to produce this show more than likely but you'd think that they would want that out there it's amazing that things tend to work out and it'll grow your game if you let others share 
your sport and talk about it and put it into kind of their own networks. Yeah, it's shocking, or at least not shocking to hear that uh, when the NBA did it as, as forward thinking as they are, that it, it helps really grow the game and get more eyeballs on it. Stunning, actually. Yeah, I think it has something to do with like NBC and CBS, and I guess it would have been Fox, but obviously not anymore in terms of like the, the I own the streaming rights to this. No one else can have them kind of thing. It's like, well, w- would you rather people on the internet be able to make TikToks out of your videos or no one watch your sport when it's on? Just, just, I mean, one would foster the other one. And you don't have to pay anyone for this. They'll just do it. Yeah, we do it for free sometimes. But no, it's, it's, it, it is crazy. And I, I get that they pay a ton of money to have exclusive rights and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, uh, growing the game, making it more popular, makes them more money. It's a long-term vision, not necessarily a short-term vision. But unfortunately, the big bad execs don't always don't always agree with us. Now, when we're a running golf channel, Rick, everything <laughs> will be different. Unfortunately, that's going to be that's 40 right. years from now. And then we're going to be talking about golf like we do right now because we won't have changed because that's just apparently what happens when you get really old. You don't want to innovate with the times. Like uh, when VR is out, you can stream it directly into your brain. We'll be like, no, 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 no one wants that. We want to see... Jim Nance stories. Well, we'll resurrect Jim Nance. and He's going to do some voiceover for us. And we're going to cut away from golf and give you this 18 minute feature on whoever the flavor of the day is, but about his dad. Cause he loved golf when they were growing up. <laughs> Back in my day, we watched the shot tracker and that was good enough. Just put the text up on the screen. That'll do the trick. <laughs> the, sh- the shot tracker channel. That'd be great. <laughs> I'm, there used to be a thing when uh, DraftKings first had golf. I know that OGs are going to remember this. There was a site that was shot tracker, but you could have everyone on the same page. It would show you like 20 people's shots where they were and like update itself in real time. Then that site just went away. I forget what it was called now though. Even, even the actual official shot tracker used to be better because it used to be a bar where like 100% of the bar was the length of the hole. That's the one that I'm talking about. That was like the official shot tracker. That was on pjtour.com. Oh, and I? and it would show you, you know, 75% of the bar would be light green because he's sitting in the fairway. And then if it was in the bunker, it looked like he was in sand. It was, it was brilliant, much easier to follow the hole. So of course they got rid of it. Okay. Let's talk DraftKings for the week. If you're looking for an alternative opinion from Pat Mayo and the Fantasy Golf Degenerates show is up on Mayo Media Network right now with Kenny and Tambo. I suggest you go check that out. Also, my cheat sheet will be available on DKNation.com. My article is up there now. My show with Feinberg is already out. My research show is already out. My walkthrough at Fantasy National. It's always a fun one to dig into the stats because my money was dead because I didn't have Cam Smith or John Rom. So I was like, I might as well do a show about next week. But 10K guys this week, Cameron Smith. The winner a week ago is now 11,208 to 1 at DraftKingsportsbook.com. Hideki, Webb, Sungjae, Leishman. Those are your top five. Bryson was 10-8, but obviously he has withdrawn. There, there was six when the pricing initially came out. What do you want to do with these 10K guys? I feel so, like if I just play Webb, that's about as safe as I can get. Oh, Webb is is certainly the safest in this range. The the point about Bryson and the fact that the pricing came out before he withdrew from this event, and now there's kind of a gap there, it, it makes the 10K much more interesting of a range for me because it's almost a decision of to Cam Smith or not to Cam Smith. And then you kind of make your decisions from there because of that $600 gap down to Hideki. But Webb Simpson coming off of, I know it was a couple of months ago, but the RSM Classic was his best approach week of his career. 
Uh, think about that. Webb Simpson's been, been around a very long time. And you look at his Sony history, this has to be on the short list of four or five of the best courses you know, on the planet for him. And it doesn't require distance. He's had such a great run here with three consecutive top fours. There is certainly, uh, to me, nobody safer. It's it's possible that that, that Cam Smith wins or Mark or, or uh, Sung JM has a higher ceiling, but the, the floor for me lies with Weber. Could you run that out in GPPs? Because I had this internal struggle last year. This was actually one of my best tournaments of the year uh, last year. Because I ended up going with, I think it was Billy Horschel and Webb Simpson. It's like my two main guys. And obviously they didn't win, but they were there at the end. And that was good enough because whoever the chalk was complete, I think it was Justin Thomas or it was Morikawa or someone, they ended up completely flaming out towards the end. And it boosted all those guys up. Those were the key anchors to have. Because I think that sometimes that gets overlooked a little bit. Like if you wanted to play game theory at the top this week, take Hideki. Because it's not that no one's using Hideki is that Hideki is going to be far lesser owned than the other five guys up here. Uh, for sure. I, I think that the ownership kind of starts with Webb Simpson. There will be the Cam Smith love and it'll be well warranted. And then even Sung JM. So Hideki is, is your lost guy, but I think you can roll this out in, in GPPs with Webb because you've got five other slots that you can figure out. Yeah. You've got five other slots that you can either be contrarian with, or that you can leave some money on the table. You can do some many different things to be unique. Do you think that Cam Smith will end up being pretty popular coming off the win? Because sometimes we see that the winner the following week doesn't really get any juice. And you talked about that pricing gap. But, I mean, he's won at this tournament before. He's coming off a win, and he did it in the way that you would want to see it heading into the next event where irons and putting. I mean, that's what you need here. You, he should be popular. He should be. It's it's crazy that this is the only sport where we penalize the guy who was by far the best player on the planet the week before. Cam Smith goes literally toe to toe with John Rahm, the number one player in the world, ha just absolutely beautiful for four straight rounds. And if you would have asked me two weeks ago, what was one of the best spots for Cam Smith? I would have told you it was Wiley and it was the Sony Open. So he's going to a place he's won. He's going to a place that he obviously sets up very well for. If there's going to be a couple of percentage points knocked off because he won last week, because he got the 34 under, that's that's craziness to me. So I, I believe uh, Cam Smith should be more owned than he probably will end up being. Uh, I'm going to be one of those goobers who ends up fading him here. I just want to save the salary for myself. Either start with Webb. Think about Hideki, but probably not go too deep in with Hideki right now. But I, I was thinking about fading the entire 10K range anyway, because I look at the 9Ks and you have Na at 9,900 bucks. He's the defending champion at this event. Then it goes into Answer, Connors, English, Gooch. And that's your 9K. Like if you want to take three guys from there and start out, it's like, you know, going stars and scrubs, just a modified way to do it. I, I like all of those guys and no one is going to use Harris English. No one will use Harris English. And, you know, there was flashes of good play from him at times last week, obviously didn't play particularly well, but the, everyone will plug in Corey Connors, which is as expected. He's the best ball striker in this field. He's one of the best ball strikers on tour. And this is really one of the only few places that he's actually gained strokes with the putter during his career. He's made three trips. He's gained basically a stroke per round. We'll see if that's sustainable, but Pat, there's, Abraham answer hanging there at 9,700 and he was horrible last week, but guess what? We, we knew that, right? We knew the plantation course was not a good spot for him. The, the contrast between Kapalua and Wiley could not be greater. This is a much better spot for him. Everybody saw him finish nearly dead last, last week. I would like to go with Abraham answer here and hope that everybody forgets that he exists. Uh, I, well, I, I'm doing my best to make sure that people know that he exists. He was my one and done selection for <laughs> For the week i bet him to win this tournament i am 
I'm completely on board with you with answer. Like if it comes down to Connors versus answer, two guys that I think are pretty similar players, to be perfectly honest with you, except answer putts sometimes where Connors apparently only putts at this tournament. Like you mentioned, 4.3 strokes gain putting per start in his three starts at this tournament in his career where he averages minus 1.1 in all other starts combined in his career so something wonky about these wildlife greens for him yeah if he comes in like half the ownership which is kind of i mean it's still tuesday afternoon we got a lot of time to go lock isn't until what like 10 a.m 11 a.m eastern time on thursday there's a lot of time for this stuff to gestate but i I like answer a lot he is my single favorite play of the nines i was just i was thinking about getting a little bit tricky could you play like would you if you were going to start a team and you used web we expect web to be popular would you want to go web connor's in your GPP lineup? Because now it feels like, you know, now you're playing 4v4 with the rest of the field. Yeah, you're you're getting very chalky at that point and you're doing it in a way, so Webb is 10-5, Connors is 9,600. I don't know what that leaves you with for your final four spots, but that 4v4 is going to be with some names that you're probably not nearly as confident in, in as those two. I would, I would prefer to go a different route because if either one of Webb or Connors even just finish T23, they're not going to be in the optimal. They're not going to be in the winning lineup. They can still have a good week without having a great week. And you've already played yourself out of it because one of those guys, because both those guys are going to be very, very chalky. If you start Webb and Connors, you have $7,400 left for your final four spots, which is completely doable in this field. It's not the end of the world. You could even go scumming down to Lee Hodges or something at 6,300. Then all of a sudden your average salary is like 8,000 and you're in good shape again. So it's it's not crazy to think that that's a start. It's just going to be a very popular start. I think that people are going to be able to finagle that into their lineups. What do you make a nah? Because I kind of, like, if I could start my team's nah answer, feel like that's not the end of the world. I like Gooch just objectively. I like his Kisner's 8,900 bucks. I like Gooch more than I like Kisner. And then just the Harris English question rests right there. He's kind of suffering from the same deal as answer where everyone saw how poorly he played last week. And he hasn't played really all that well in a while, but this is a course where even when he was bad, he had played well. I like the fact that he did play last week. And as I've pointed out multiple times across the article and all of these shows, you know, the year that Kucher won, he was ass at the Tournament of Champions. Not last year was horrible at the Tournament of Champions. It didn't really make that much of a difference. The good thing was they were warmed up. And you could argue, I don't want to say playing poorly at, at Kapalua is a good thing, but these are such different courses. They're completely different. If you struggle at Kapalua because the course or because the wide fairways don't allow you to tap into your strengths or things like that, that's okay. I've got a completely different course for you this week at Wiley. It might be a, a contrast that you want to buy into. I can never get Kevin Nall right. The fact that he's so reliant on the short game absolutely terrifies me. The good news from him is that he is volatile in a good way. When, when things go well for him, legitimate winning upside. We see it seemingly once a year, and then he just won with Coke Rack at that crazy QBE shootout because he can get absolutely scorching hot, which is also good for your fantasy lineup as opposed to just betting him outright or betting him to finish inside the top five or top 10. Kevin Nob, because he gets birdie streaks, because he can catch fire, often outperforms his finishing position with fantasy points. So I've often gotten him wrong, Pat, but there are a ton of viable reasons to roster Kevin Nob, especially here. Gucci man, 9,100 bucks per my model on Fantasy National. He is the number one player in this field. And this really lays out like a course where 
would really fit his skill set well. Obviously, he's going to need to make the putts. That kind of if we're picking anyone to like win or do well, obviously they need to putt for that week. That that goes without saying. But he is so dialed in with his irons all the time that it's hard to fade him, even staring like twenty two percent ownership in the face. Raw strokes gain metrics over the last 50. It's Cam Smith, Sung J.M., Webb Simpson, Taylor Gooch, fourth. And he was literally, I'm not even really exaggerating here, he was your fall MVP. He was piling up a bunch of really high finishes. He finally got the victory. I think we're going to learn a lot about what Taylor Gooch is here in 2022, but I actually compare him uh, to Sung J.M. of maybe 18 months ago. There was so much conversation from Sung Jay's peers about how great he is. And then you saw him at the President's Cup, and then he finally goes out and he gets a win at the Honda. And, and you're like, everything you hear from his peers is that this guy's legit. You hear the same thing from Taylor Gooch's peers about Taylor Gooch. So I'm, I'm very bullish on him in 2022. This is probably one of the better spots on the schedule for him. And if he rolls a hot enough putter, we've seen that he actually owns win equity on the tour. Could you get to Harris English? Probably not. I, I think I just like the $9,000. I like basically everybody else in the $9,000 range more, whether I think they're an actual better player, uh, like an Abraham answer or even a Corey Connors or whether they're hotter right now, or whether they're a better game theory play like Kevin Na might end up being, it, it just, he falls to basically the last guy in the $9,000 range that I would be happy with. And I can't, I can't roster them all. So I will probably be avoiding or not avoiding, but he just will not be, making any of my lineups this week okay I, i'm trying to think of who like the high out of the top 10 guys who is the high-end pivot maybe nah isn't as owned as i think that he's going to be so maybe nah and answer end up being those guys playing them together makes a lot of sense it, it's shaping up to be hideki or harris english though maybe throwing one of those guys into my player pool not having like 50 percent of them across like 25 30 lineups 20 lineups whatever it is you want to play or even a three max playing them in one but it feels like they will give you leverage and if they have a good week you're, you're gonna blow up a lot of chalky roster construction right away yeah, I mean, if Harris English scores the most fantasy points out of the $9,000 range, and to your point, you don't need to have 50% of him uh, to have a bunch of leverage on him. So, so yes, those are certainly going to be the guys, you know, Hideki's going to try to do it in a different way. Obviously not, not with the putter He's going to try to hit everything to eight feet and hope to make enough of those, which historically doesn't always work well for him. But yeah, if you can get that guy, right. I agree with you. It's Hideki. It is English as your pivots, just because everybody else in those two ranges are super exciting and viable plays. I'd be curious to go back and look at all the Matsuyama wins over the years. Like even when he won at Bridgestone in what, 2017? Yeah, 2017. What was the winning score that week? He got to 16 under and he, he beat the field by five strokes. That was on bent as well. He, most of his wins have come on bent grass over the years, but it feels like Hideki's not going to win you a minus 24 tournament because he just can't make enough putts. Like his sweet spot is like where the masters was last year or even the Zozo earlier this year, like something between minus eight and minus 16 feels like the Hideki sweet spot for a winning score. And this one's, unless the weather is you know, tracking to be something that I don't see it as, and it's horrible like it was the Cam Smith year two years ago, which is a big rarity, obviously, at Wiley, that Hideki just simply does not make enough putts to get there. Throw the Memorial win in there. I think I think Hideki's best when uh, you have either longish, more narrow fairways or places where you are penalized for missing the fairway. You're coming out of thicker rough, like he like you were at, at Mirfield Village when he won at the Memorial. And then, yeah, get, get to like 
12 under par, get to maybe even 16 under par. There was no way he was going to win at 34 under, 25 <laughs> under is a little bit uh, scary as well, just because you have to make everything. You, you saw it all week long. You just have to make every single putt, and he's, he's not that guy. Eight thousands. We have Kevin Kisner leading things off. It feels like there's a groundswell for Kisner this week. Uh, obviously, he's thirty-five to one, eighty-nine hundred dollars. Finished inside the top ten at Kapalua a week ago and played well, putted well. The irons were pretty good, and this is obviously a much better course for him. Horschel, Kokrak, Henley, Matt Jones. Uh, probably an outlier week for Matt Jones, although. He is a really weird test case this week at $8,400 because if he was $7,600, he'd be the most popular play on the slate. But I do feel by because of the names that surround him and because you know he breached minus 30 last week, like everything went Matt Jones's way, that people are going to shy away from him. Although when I ran the course fit model, he really popped out super highly. Yeah, it's so interesting because outside of his great finish last week, the solo third, and at the time he tapped in on 18, setting the PGA Tour scoring record, which would last for about 90 more minutes or whatever it was until Raman and Cam Smith got into the clubhouse. But between that finish and his actual win at the Honda Classic, the event that got him into the Tournament of Champions, he did, he did nothing. I don't think he had a single top 15 finish. He was basically losing across the board. I think he gained over six strokes putting last week, which is one of his better performances of his career. It's probably unsustainable. So I, I'm, I'm with those that are going to be avoiding a now very expensive Matt Jones when there's guys that are interesting in this eight in this eight thousand dollar range, like a Maverick McNeely, like a Russell Henley, even a Kevin Kisner. As we sprint to guys that are not going to be at at an immediate disadvantages because they don't hit it far off the tee. So guys that I believe are going to come in under owned versus their peers, like the Kokraks, the Kisners, Russell Henley especially, they're going to garner a bunch of ownership here. Seamus Power as well, who is my first bet of the week. I like Seamus Power a lot at this course. He is eighty one hundred dollars. He's going to be a core play for me this week uh i'll eat the ownership with him i like him a lot but you mentioned maverick mcneely i don't project him to get into the double digits right now N literally no one is using eric van royen and he might be the pivot play that you're looking for him or cam davis i think yeah, EVR is, is is interesting and he can pop at times. But speaking of poppers, let's let's talk about Maverick McNeely here because I believe we are actually seeing career progression, which is what you like to see from a guy who's only been on the tour for a couple of years. He's really starting to figure it out. He's really starting to more consistently finish inside the top 30. And not only that, but we see a second place finish, a runner-up at the Fortinet. And then his final three events of the fall were three top 25s. And he's starting to plug a lot of the leaks in his game. When he first came on tour, he was... One week, he'd be losing strokes off the tee. The next week, he'd lose four strokes putting. He, he's starting to clean that up, and it's showing in the results. I, I'm pretty bullish on McNeely's next six to 12 months, and I think it starts here. I think this is probably one of the better spots for him on tour. Yeah, he feels like he's going to fall into that range of Kisner, Webb, even Gooch to that, like the courses that these guys really excel at, the Sonys, the Heritage, the Colonial, Byron Nelson, Wyndham, those types of courses. Not to say that he can't win at the other courses or play really well, but it feels like these ones are specifically designed for what he does really well. I'm kind of with you. Do we think that he's a better player than EVR though? Like just overall? 
I don't know. I, I think the jury's still, I mean, he was, he was great in college. I mean, the pedigree, he's got, a, he's got a great pedigree. I think at the moment EVR is probably slightly better, but I would not be surprised to see McNeely take a pretty significant, a pretty significant leap this year, just like we've kind of seen from Max Homa over the course of the past couple of years. It was only three or three and a half years ago. He was a dead tour average player. Now he's won a couple of times. The advanced metrics are much more in his favor. We are hopefully not seeing the final version of Maverick McNeely at this week in the Sonio. Would you say that the tiebreaker is EVR is going to be far lesser owned in this range and given the tiebreaker of he played last week? Well, especially if you're starting with some of those really chalky guys at the top, the Webb Simpsons, the Corey Connors, uh, and, and kind of building out that way, EVR offers the game theory path to winning all the money. So if, if you're dead even, uh, yes, you could use that as a tiebreaker. I'm probably not that close. It's it's McNeely by a, a wider gap for me. So I'm going to be full fade on Kisner, full fade on Henley. I think that gets me off a lot of ownership this week. I'll play Kokrak at $8,600. I've also bet Jason Kokrak. Seamus Power, like I mentioned. Not that these guys are like super lesser owned. I just can't play four chalky guys from the 8K range. He's $8,100. I need to find the next guy to throw in. I think it might be Horschel at 87 just this, this is he, when I just reeled off all of those guys to play well at these types of courses, Billy Ho's that guy. And people just don't like betting on Billy Ho. They don't like playing Billy Ho, but guy wins. He wins. He has the ability to get hot, which is exciting. I would probably prefer Cam Davis. Not only does he get you what, $700 in salary cap relief, but we saw it last week. He's going to pile birdies and potentially Eagles. And when you put him on a golf course that isn't really all that penal when you miss off the tee, which he does often, as long as you're not stuck behind a palm tree or something like that, the rough isn't going to play too big of an issue. Cam Davis is super raw talented. And when it comes to scoring draft Kings points, he is uh, almost always outperforming his finishing position. So he's the guy that I'd probably give the edge to there, but the upside, the the streakiness really of Billy Horschel is a little bit enticing. Well, maybe I'll make the decision of, do I use English or Horschel? Cause they're kind of in the same price range separated by what is it? $600 from 93 down to 87. I think that though, not that Horschel will be more owned than English, but I think that those are both nice pivot plays to break up what's going on at the top, uh, bottom nines, top eights and Cam Davis. I mean, his Eagle rate is off the charts. It's kind of incredible. And both the par fives, there's only two of them here, but you can make Eagle on both of them. Uh, he's going to hit eight iron into these, into these par fives. It's, it's unbelievable. The fives are so gettable and you're right. He, he just makes a ton of eagles. I think he had three again last week. And that is so disproportionately favored in fantasy scoring on DraftKings that you have to consider it at some point, especially for someone who's top tier. I think he led the tour in, in Eagles last year as well. So he's going to, he's going to offset that with a couple of bogeys, but that's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll trade that when it comes to fantasy score. What do we got in the 7Ks? Joel Damon seems like he's going to be pretty popular. Along with Seamus Power, he was the second guy that I put an outright wager on this week at $7,600. Again, he's another one of these guys that falls into these short courses. Bermuda, uh, if there's is even a bit of wind, then I like Joel Damon a little bit more. Uh, he's 50-1 to 1 at DraftKings Sportsbook. You can find him as high as 75-1 to 1 in some spots right now. It's just can he make enough putts? The answer is usually no. But at this price point... I think that he'll make enough birdies that he can get by. If you want to fade Damon because he's going to be the most popular 7K guy, I completely understand that. And you can move to someone else. Like Brennan Steele is going to be relatively popular at $7,900. He's played this the past two years. He's come second and fourth 
it's hard to find a really good reason to fade him at this point, mm. besides the fact that he's going to be kind of popular. The guy that I was looking at, who was a really good course history, former winner of this event, and he's just kind of off the radar for people right now. I like Ryan Palmer. 7800 bucks. Okay, I saw his... his- I don't know what his outright number was, but I remember being like, oh my God, that's that's way too long for a guy who at times in the last 12 or 18 months has been really, really good. Probably a top 25 player now. It's been a, a much more uphill battle for him recently. But if you think that the multiple months off kind of allows everybody to get right, to get back to their original DNA. There's probably no golfer in this $7,000 range that would benefit more of getting back to their baseline than Ryan Palmer. That's kind of the way I view him. It's, it's almost a bet of, are we going to see him get back to his normal baseline or is this a decline for a guy who's had a really great PGA tour career? I think that we could see a bit of a decline from him anyway. Like this time last year, I think he was ranked like 26th in the world or something like that. Now, like in my mind, he's the 68th best player in the world or something like that. Like that's where I feel like his baseline is, which means he could win this tournament. Uh, for, for sure, especially in this field, because, you know, half of the guys ahead of him in your uh, ranking 68th in the world, I have no idea what his actual official world golf ranking is, but let's say half of those guys that Pat thinks is better than Ryan Palmer it, are not here. So that already moves him up in a pretty, pretty significant way. I, I like, you know, this 7K range is fascinating because. Pat, I think this is where your your GPPs are won and lost. There's a lot of guys that we didn't see play last week. There are up-and-coming Corn Ferry guys that I think are exciting, combined in a range with more seasoned PGA Tour veterans that we don't really know what to expect out of this year and guys that really wish the fall didn't end. You know, Aaron Rye, who finished with three straight top 20s, where two of them he was bonkers on approach in a good way. And then Denny McCarthy, who's the best putter on the planet, plus he's even better on Bermuda. He finished his fall schedule in, in kind of a flurry for his own, his own uh, prospects. Like that's exciting. So there's just a lot going on in this range. And I think this is where you're going to really be able to differentiate, differentiate your lineups from the rest of the field. Well, I mentioned Damon as being super popular. McCarthy is going to be as, if not more popular this week. And I know that he had the great run to end the fall season. And this is a great course for him, especially, you know, he can kind of mask mask his driving and irons at this course a little bit if the putter gets even hotter than it normally is when you look at his best finishes it's essentially the list of corollary courses for Wiley. i completely get it i just don't want to play an 18 percent owned denny mccarthy like if he's not if he puts like slightly above average he might miss the cut <laughs> oh yeah oh he needs to rely on the flat stick in a big way i'll give you a guy that i think is is kind of interesting i believe he's 70 100 he oh, is 7100 may, 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 may i guess if he's 7100 i would love it i would love it if you guessed is it captain ramius uh chad ramey that's him that's him yeah for sure so let, this is a highly caveated stat that i'm about to throw at you <laughs> but if you look at the raw strokes gain total who you know strokes gain total uh if you're better or worse in the field over the last 100 rounds in this field cam smith is number one chad ramey is number two obviously that is the vast majority of that coming on the corn ferry tour where he absolutely piled top twenties. I think he played 21 times last year, 16 of them were top twenties. He had a couple more in the fall on the PGA tour. He's just someone that when you get into a field, when he gets onto the first couple pages of the leaderboard, he's, he's comfortable. And I'm a, a proponent of saying that 
you know, the gap between the Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA Tour, especially in a field like this, it's never been closer. Those guys are so good. They're so talented. And Ramey is consistently on the first couple of pages. He would be the one that I'm most excited about as we continue to learn what these golfers end up being. Yeah. Main championship winner from 2021, Chad Ramey. He has gained on approach in every single one of his fall season starts. I'm kind of with you on it. The one I wanted to talk about from down here is, I want to make sure, uh, Takumi Kanata is $7,400. Number 51 player in the world and legit no one's using him. Yeah, he he destroys the Japanese tour, I believe, right? You go over, you go look at his official road golf ranking page and he's uh, he's been awesome there. He played the Zozo Championship, had a, had a T7, even when he plays some of the bigger events on the European tour, like the BMW International Open or the Irish Open. He had a couple of top 30s there. He can hold his own. He can hold his own uh, for sure. We're, we're going to learn more about what he does when he plays on the PGA Tour more often, but he is... I want to say he was like a top amateur at one point in his career, but he is a very, very talented golfer who, as he plays over here more in the States, we're going to be, we're going to be hard pressed to start avoiding him in our lives. A uh, guy has missed the cut two years in a row at following his win. Kuchar isn't back to being Kuchar again, but he's back to being like pretty good again. Four consecutive cuts made to end the swing season. He's gaining strokes again for the first time in ages. He had a really bad 2021 but it seemed like when the season flipped and he started playing in these weaker fields at courses that are more suited to him he started popping up with top 25s again all of a sudden obviously this is a very comfortable course for him no one he's not on anyone's radar at the moment would you rather go with someone like Kucher or even who the hell is next to him Keith Mitchell Brendan <laughs> Todd Brian Harmon like that type of guy or would you rather roll the dice on Kanata or Kanaya Kanaya Hotfaya Kanaya. Oh, there we go. Grio or Lucas Herbert or Chad Ramey or Norlander or those types of guys. I would probably take a little bit more of the unknown entity, the Ramey, the Alex Smalley, the like, guys that you know, we... You can't be giving out all the good plays, Rick. Alex Sorry. Smalley's a good play this week. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I mentioned him. Alex Smalley, <laughs> Chad Ramey, whoever else. Because, listen, Kuchar's a known entity. He was... He got smoked in the summer. And, and to your point, it's it's tougher fields. It's tougher events. This, If if you could ask me, if I had to play Matt Kuchar, this is probably one of the best spots for him. Maybe maybe Harbor Town, you know, one of those events. But I'm not excited. What's his ceiling, Pat? Does he ever win this golf tournament? I know he's won it before, but like the current version of Matt Kuchar, does he ever win this golf tournament? I don't know. I think that he could run hot enough with his putter that he could win. But I, I'm thinking if you're thinking about like ceiling for Matt Kuchar this week, like if you take him, what would you expect to have in your lineup? Like he could finish T7, no problem. Okay, yeah, like T8 was like the ceiling I was thinking about. Now, I think more often than not, he finishes probably in the 20s. And it, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't kill you, but it doesn't really help you out. I would rather, especially if I'm trying to win all the money, take somebody that is either cheaper or lower owned and has maybe top 12 upside, something like that. I, I could completely get on board with that. I don't think he's going to be very highly owned. And I do think that he brings a bit of stability to your lineups because we can talk about game theory all we want, but if we're not getting six of six through, like we're fucked to begin with. Yeah. Six of six rates have been ever since they went to T65 and eyes are like, I mean, I love it because it's a real, it's a real good sweat. And if you do have even like a, a mediocre six of six, like you're feeling good on the weekend when 4% of lineups are six of six, but my God, it is so hard to get six of six through these days. I can't even believe it. Could you go back to Kazire despite his like horrendous run that he basically peaked, 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 and we all bet him. Then like he missed the cut. Now he's been awful since like 10 events in a row. 
he's been awful. The only good thing about Kazire um, is he is generally a very good fantasy point scorer, but it doesn't matter if he's going to play super poorly and lose strokes like he has in, in five consecutive events and the approach play is gone and the putter is gone and the driver is, I mean, literally he's, he's lost it all, um, which is very, very concerning. If you want to say it only took him, you know, he had two months to get right and he's going back to Bermuda, which is his best surface. That's an argument you can make. I'm not going to spend my hard-earned dollars on Patton Kazire, but I would love to see him kind of get back into that shape again where, yeah, where we were betting him and where he could get hot with the putter and his approach play was exciting at times. He's just lost everything. He's lost every facet at the moment. Uh, can you channel your inner Ben Raza and sell me on Emiliano Grillo? I'm not sure I'm, I'm like, you know, allowed to do that. That's a pretty, that's a pretty tough task. Um, I guess the argument for, for Emiliano would be that, uh, you know, these coastal tropical courses, he's got a pretty good record, right? He seems to, seems to play better when you get him to Bermuda or Punta Cana or wherever else that these guys might go. And you, if you are rooting for, for, for Grillo and you're, and you're rostering him, you would like the wind to start kicking because the ball striking is his prowess, but the problem's the same, he, you know, he's a, He's a poor man to Decky, right? He, he can't putt his way to victory here. He can't putt his way to much of a ceiling here. If the winning score is going to be 25 or 26 under par, it's just the, the, the path to success for him is incredibly narrow and really unexciting. So the last two guys in the sevens, I mean, I'm very disappointed. Higo ended up WDing because I really wanted to bet him at this course. I thought this was a really good fit for him. Uh, Shez has pulled out of this tournament. Scott Piercy has now pulled out of this tournament as well as of Tuesday morning. So the, the two I have left to try to narrow it down, one is Taylor Pendrith, an ultimate bomber, but can flick some wedges and make a ton of putts if he needs to. A very underrated good putter, at least from the Corn Ferry Tour and what we've seen on the PGA Tour so far can kind of light it up. Played really well in Bermuda, too. And then the guy who won in Bermuda played last week was horrible. But whatever. Lucas Herbert at a course where driving matters less. I mean, he's won on the PGA Tour already. Won on the European Tour last year. He's a good player. Yeah, so that was a... Kapalua was a horrible setup for for Lucas Herbert. Let's be real. And then it kind of reared its ugly head. There is a little bit of uh, excitement for me on Taylor Pendrith, because you mentioned it as we're starting to learn more about him on the PGA tour. And we're learning what he's going to end up being. He's been scoring fantasy points like crazy. So he's gains on average, nearly 15 draft Kings points to the field. It's calculated the same way as you would for strokes gain. So it's based on the average of each week so that you don't get super credit when you go out and shoot 30 under at the tournament of champions versus the U S open. And that's like basically 15, fantasy points gained is basically the most of anybody in this 7k range or at least within a thousand dollars of him in both directions so that is this is probably the format that i would like most to run him out in because of the ability to get hot that you mentioned pat yeah if you can find a top canadian play this week obviously everyone's going to be all over Corey connor's jock which they probably should based on his metrics and how good he is versus pendrith it's it would be interesting because i think it's just it's connor's pendrith i think svensson's canadian because he's in the field too. Roger Sloan is another one in Glidglick, whatever that guy's name is. I have a very tough time pronouncing it. it be... I just go with Gligic. Gl- I don't know if it's right. Gligic? Okay. Gligic. Maybe we can do that. I don't know. But yeah, I, I, could, I think you can make a compelling case for both those guys. You don't need to use a ton of them, obviously. Uh, they're cheap. They're, they're the guys to mix in. Like when you shuffle your upper sixes and sevens, they're just names to throw into the mix. Yeah, for sure. And especially if you are 
again, looking for salary capital relief and or looking for kind of some pivots, looking to mix it up, looking to get yourself some leverage on a golfer that's not 18 or 15% owned in that range. Yeah, there, there's this is why I think this 7K range is so critical because you know, these, these guys are going to be in the optimal and they're likely to be very low on. Uh, Grace and KH layer, two holdovers from last week, both at $7,000. I don't have a ton of interest, but I feel like I should have interest in both, but I just don't. Uh, I mean, Grace outside of one round was horrific, which is more of the same. Unfortunately, KH Lee, to his credit, I actually thought had played better. So right after he won last year, he kind of had that month where he was really bad, but that's to be expected. A little bit of a win hangover. Then he started to pick it up again. Kapalua, again, not a great spot for him. This should be a better spot. So I much prefer KH Lee to, to Brandon Grace. I, I don't necessarily see the path for Grace having a ton of success in this event. Uh, let's see. The Sony over the years, KH Lee, did come inside the top 20 a year ago, has never gained strokes on approach in three trips, missed the cut the first two times. But it does seem almost like you said with Maverick McNeely. He seems like he is a better player today than he was 12 months ago. And it seems like he's progressing. So I think that needs to be factored in too when you look at some of this historical data. Were they the same player they are today? I think the answer is no with KH Lee. So tentative lean. Lean, I'll go with you. KH Lee over Grace, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to make the player pool for me. $6,000, guys. Uh, I had mentioned uh, right off the hop, Lee Hodges is down at $6,300. Like when you look at the <laughs> like the plotting for irons in this field, a lot of it comes between 125 and 175. It's not really like a flick wedge, like really in close type place. I mean, 125 is a flick wedge for these guys. Who am I kidding? Uh, for me, it's not. For these guys, it is. Uh, but he rates out real like he's, when I ran the past 50 rounds of 125 to 175, he was the number one player in the field. Couldn't believe it. Yeah, he's been exciting. He doesn't have a whole lot of PGA Tour experience, but the stuff that he does, he's been generally very good off the tee. He's he's made enough of a living on the on the Corn Ferry to now kind of throw his name into the ring on 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 this circuit. So yes, he's someone that I would be targeting. And and there's actually a couple of guys. So in the 7K range, we were like, you know, you can get the young guys kind of coming up, or you can get the more established pros. And there's an established pro at $6,800, 6800 Hudson Swafford that has gained strokes on approach in basically eight of his last nine measured events. His history at Sony has been great. Um, I, I think he's someone that I would feel a bit more comfortable with, a little, a little bit of stability in the $6,000 range, because if you thought the sevens were interesting, the sixes are just like a complete minefield at the moment. Yeah, looking back, nine events started at the Sony Open for Hudson Swafford. Has missed the cut once, and he has three top tens mixed in there as well. And, you know, he was 25th and 57th the last two years. I would say that where his career went to in 2021, it was a bit of an uptick over the two years previous to that when he had won at Career Builder, which I think was like four years ago now. But he's back to being a very consistent iron player. Kind of with you on that one. Chan Kim kind of stuck out to me as well for a guy who's... I don't know how he, he's going to fare like week to week on the PGA Tour. Obviously, he's not going to play week to week on the PGA Tour, but he's playing in this tournament. But all the info that we have from Chan Kim against PGA players are like high-end tournament. It's the U.S. Open or the PGA Championship or the Zozo. And like he doesn't have any high finishes in those. I guess he was 15th at the Zozo, but he tends to make the cut. Like worldwide, he's ranked inside the top 75 in the world. Like He's a pretty good player for this price. 
Yeah, that's when you might want to start considering like, you know, whether it's weighted strokes gained or just considering strength of field when you're looking at this, because you're right, there are some guys that when we see them on the PGA Tour, we're only seeing them at maybe it's a WGC that they've qualified, or maybe it's a major championship that they've qualified and John Rahm's in the field and Rory McIlroy and everybody else uh, in the top 50 is playing against them. It ends up being a really difficult situation. And now they get an opportunity against a much weaker field. And you would imagine that they're licking their chops and there is so much depth on the tour at the moment that you could really make a case for a lot of these guys based on small sample sizes, based on strength of field of the sample that they have played in, or just kind of raw eye test or what, you know, what others might say about them. There's some really good options down here. If you're trying to save up on, save up on salary and, uh, you know, be a little bit different. I may have to get off of Lee Hodges. I just went and looked at his putting splits. Um, it's just bad. Just a lot of red. I don't know if he can make, I, I don't want him to have like a slightly bad iron week. And all of a sudden he's like seven over par or something. Can't handle that. I don't want that. Yeah. That'll send you home very quickly at Wiley. You won't be around for the weekend. Uh, if you start getting on the wrong side of the putter. So Chan Kim $6,300 is going to make the builds for me. Just trying to find like, does anyone, cause the bottom end of this field is really tough. Hudson Swafford at 68. I think those are probably the two guys. Could you get yourself to the glove? coming off a bad week but like whatever he wasn't he wasn't gonna win at Weiler or Kapalua anyway yeah no he was he was not going to win and and what we've seen from Glover at the Sony Open hasn't been particularly good he's played here five times he's got no he's got zero finishes inside the top 50 a t50 was his best finish here's my issue with Glover he has lost strokes to the field in every event since the open championship, which is like 10 in a row, I will, uh, I'll, I'll pass on that. I'll stick with my, with my Hudson Swaffords. I'll stick with even like a Mark Hubbard. Oh yeah. This is probably, yeah, maybe one of the, maybe, maybe the four or five best spots on tour for him. Like that, that's where I'd rather live. All right. I'll text his brother and see how he's doing. And if I report back that he's doing well, then all of a sudden we'll go with Mark Hubbard. It took me so long to realize that that was his brother. (laughs) Oh, really? Nate. Yeah, I, I like never put that together. I was like, oh, these, this, you know, Hubbard, that's a pretty standard name. And then I finally figured it out one day and felt like an idiot. But yeah, that was a huge light bulb moment for me. So Hubbard at 66. I also like Nick Hardy at $6,600 as well. Just, 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 yeah. just be like, if we're going to take Corey Connors at this event, why yeah. wouldn't we take Nick Hardy? No, I, I, I agree with you. And we've seen Hardy, um, you know, pop at times Bermuda's his best surface. Not that he's a particularly great putter anywhere, but it is his best surface. He gained strokes on approach in multiples at both the Sanderson and the Fortinet. I mean, yeah, th- these are things that you're looking for breadcrumbs that indicate that we've got good play or at least the ability for good play. It's it's I completely agree with you. Uh, the man of many question marks, John. Uh-huh. Last three starts 12th. At the Mayakoba, 15th at Bermuda, Miss Cup. Those two courses kind of line up with this one. Johnny, huh? Johnny question marks? He's getting it back after missing every cut in like last season. Yeah, but he did he did play well on the Corn Ferry down the stretch, though. So their their kind of last couple of events, he played uh Albertson's Boise Open, my favorite event, T14, Nationwide Children's Hospital, T27, then in the tour, the KFT championship, seventh place finish. That's where you get basically players that are what like 125 to one, you know, 200. And then, you know, in, in the, in the PGA rankings and obviously all the corn fairy guys. So it's, it's one of the better fields that they have. I, you could do worse. You could honestly do worse than him in this spot. 69 is probably too much when I could have, like I said, Swafford for last Hubbard for last Hardy for last Chan Kim for last. 
I think that makes more sense to me. Kramer Hickok is $6,700. When I was doing out the research show and looked at similar courses, par 70 courses, Bermuda courses, courses that are measured less than 7,200 yards, he, his name just keep going, kept going to the top of the list. I couldn't figure out what was going on because he's not good. He's not. And I guess my concern would be, I feel like, and I don't know if this is actually buried out in the stats or not, but I feel like Hickok, when he's at his best, which is a, a huge you know, asterisks for this comment. Uh, He's driving the ball well. And this is like, you and I could just bang it around here and not have much issue with the the fairway or the rough. I don't think you're getting much of an advantage if you're playing out of the short grass, unless, unless we get preferred lies again, Pat, which that same rain that we've seen for the last 40 days, you know, 25 out of the last 40 days on Maui. If, if, if Wiley is wet as well, and you wouldn't be surprised to see ball in hand for a couple of days, then playing out of the fairway becomes absolutely critical because once those guys put their hand on the ball, it is just an absolute dart fest. Well, it could be a situation too, where he does drive it pretty well off the tee that maybe at these shorter courses, he just goes bombs away and like, Hey, I'm just better from playing in close. It doesn't matter where I'm at on the course rather than being 163 away. I'd rather just rather be a hundred away. That's what I would do if I were him, right? I mean, sure. that's that's that should be the strategy. <laughs> that's Bryson's strategy. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen him play this. That would have been a lot of fun to see what he did and just. I mean, he would have been so close to. He might have hit. Oh, I'm trying to think of these par five. He might have hit wedges in some of these par five. Like he, it would have been. It would have been something. I'm I'm a little upset or disappointed that he's not playing this week. Well, to to look at his overall approach numbers, generally speaking, especially towards the end of the year. Uh, He was very good from 150 to 175, like very, very good, consistent gaining on the field every single time. His biggest problem are approaches from 200 and beyond. So like on these par fives, generally when it's a longer course, he just sucks with his long irons and you're just not going to hit any of those shots this week. Yeah, you're, you're really not. It turns into a a wedge and a a putting fest. And I am interested the, the, the subplot of preferred lies would actually probably make it more interesting because bombing gouge would be at least a little bit more difficult. I, I actually, I would, I never say this. I hope they play preferred lies this week. That would make it more interesting. I, I, I hope they don't. I always, I hate preferred lies. <laughs> I hate it so much. I mean, I do too. I do, but like, it would make it more interesting. There'd maybe, be a little bit maybe. More strategy. So the last two guys, uh, we're done with the sixes, unless you have anyone else to bring up. Uh, the two guys no, that I, fun. that I did want to talk about that we didn't really hit on one, see woo, Kim. Number two, Christian Bezadenhout, 7,800 bucks or I guess good price for him. This seems to be a course where if driving doesn't really make that big of a difference, that's the perfect Seabez course. Yeah. So I'll obviously defer to you on Siwoo because I've never gotten the guy right in a million years. Uh, Christian is, is because he's such a good putter, a little bit more interesting for me because we've seen him at times rattle off three, four, five, even seven strokes gained at some points in his career with the putter, the ability to do that. And while his detriment is the driver and that's where he loses strokes, probably not going to lose that many this week. Or if you lose a lot this week, you're still going to be in pretty good shape, just, you know, relative to, uh, you know, difficult positions that you could be in. So he, to me is a little bit more exciting because I understand his DNA. I understand what his baseline is. I have no idea what to expect from Siwoo on a week to week, round by round, shot by shot basis. And that just throws me through a loop. Well, if I told you that Siwoo won this tournament by seven strokes, would it really surprise you that much? No. Would it surprise you if he finished in dead last by seven strokes? No. Literally nothing Siwoo does this week would surprise me at all. 
I do like this quote. I mean, he's won at Wyndham. He's played well at Heritage. He's won the players. Like, that track, of course, does kind of mesh up with this one. Yeah, and what you just described, Pat, finishing dead last or finishing first, that's valuable. That's exciting. That is something that you cannot say for the vast majority of the players in this field where a lot of their ceilings are T12 and a lot of their floors are just like, you know, T65, right? It's just like his outcomes are so wide, but if you're looking for that, that is incredibly valuable. It's going to be frustrating. You're going to be ripping your hair out on the the floor weeks, but you're going to look like a genius on the ceiling weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot like you described with Kevin Na, in a way. It's just Kevin Na has a more consistent baseline. Like, his floor isn't Siwoo's floor, generally. I mean, Kevin Na's floor is just withdrawing from the tournament. But Siwoo does that just to make it fun sometimes, to mix it up. But, like, the wins come, but the lows aren't as low with Kevin Na, generally speaking. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Kevin Na, a legitimate, I don't know, top 30 player, and he's been a winner on tour every year for four or five years, something like that. Siwoo will snap one off every now and then, but there's there's going to be a lot of valleys in those peaks as well. It's, it's, it's the more extreme version of Kevin Na. All right, well, let's get to the favorite point of the show from everyone. Let's build a lineup, the most common lineup we think is going to oh. exist this week. Let's try to replicate that right now. I feel like it starts with Webb Simpson. Yeah, it just goes Webb, Corey Connors, right? I mean, they're both just such darlings for this week. Webb with the great history, Connors with the only place on the planet that apparently he has learned how to putt. Like that is, that's the the most, that's going to be the most common start, I would imagine. So that drops us down to, I'm guessing Denny McCarthy would be the next man in for this in terms yeah, of how like, much, what do we have left? Like 70? We have 74 per player left and he's $7,400. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So three top 15s in a row, the putting stuff, which everybody's going to love this week. Yes. That is the chalkiest $7,400 player there is. So now what do we do? Do we find like is Swafford the chalky six that like, is there a chalky $6,000 guy? I'm not sure there is. Uh, if it, if there is, um, it would be probably Hudson Swafford is, is, is Hubbard going to catch a lot of steam here because it's, a decent place for him. And he's coming off of a, a good result in Bermuda. Like what's, what do we think his prospects look like? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think that he was like, he's a, he got into the field because other people withdrew. Like he's a late ad. He wasn't really talked up at all. We had, like, I think he lost his tour card. So he only gets so many starts right now. Uh, I don't think that you're going to see a ton of him up there. Like the guys that I was thinking about, like Denny McCarthy, obviously if we can find one guy for salary savings and maybe it's Kramer Hickok. Maybe he'll end up being pretty popular. I would say it's Swafford, though, if I had to guess. I think that's right. I'm just tr- trying to scroll through here and see who would be more popular than Swafford. And at a course where we know it's a really sticky history and he's probably got the best history of anybody down here, I think it's going to be Swafford. Yeah, looking at the projections from Fantasy National right now, again, obviously very early in the week, Hickok and Hickok and Swafford project to be the two highest-owned along with someone named Max McGreevy. I don't know where that's coming from, but apparently he Ooh. rates out really well in the model. Uh, Hubbard's going to garner some interest. Nick Hardy will garner some interest. A lot of the guys that we hit on are going to garner some interest, I think. So that gives us 78500 or $100 left per player. So that means we can jump back into the eights and go low again. Like we could take, who's another bottom seven guy that I think that is going to be pretty popular? I think Smalley's actually going to be pretty popular. Kazire should be Kazire too. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think Smalley should be popular. I don't know what the appetite is for some of these, you know, guys who have five or six PGA Tour starts under their belt. I don't know what the appetite is, especially when you get a lot of more recognizable veterans in this field. But I think Smalley should be popular. I think he's a great player. Well, you can go Damon and then go to $8,100 and have Seamus Power. That's probably the build, right? Yeah, when you've originally said like $7,800, my eyes locked onto Damon as being that guy. And then if you get Damon and Power, that's that's the route. So the the play the best plays lineup this week for the Sony Open, Webb Simpson, Corey Connors, Seamus Power, Joel Damon, Denny McCarthy, and the Swafficer, Hudson Swafford. It's 6800 And the best part, no money left on the table. So, you know, that's, that's what <laughs> oh, your average Jesus. guy is doing. If if this gets split like a thousand ways, do they have to give us like you know an extra cut of the money for doing this or what? I, I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> you know I, I'm good with it. I, I just hope everyone wins. Like, like if I don't play cash games in PGA, but this seems like the ultimate cash game lineup. The fact that it's exactly fifty thousand dollars, as well as just the icing on the cake, this is going to be like the most popular lineup for sure. All right, so that is it on the Pat Mayo experience for the Sony Open. Rick, you got shows every day coming out now. Yeah, I try to stay busy, you know, try to do different things. The Rick Run Good YouTube channel is, uh, you know, I try to upload as, as, as consistently as possible. And then I'm always working on new stuff in the database at rickrungood.com and building the new tools and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. I love this, Pat. And now that we're into January, which is like half the population thinks is when, this is when the season started anyway, like th- I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to thrive. They haven't released the tee times yet. We're doing this late in the day. What's going on here? When does this tournament start? Like what time? Uh, it will start. Let's see. It will start at like, it's uh, a good question. Yeah. Mid- afternoon on the afternoon Eastern, right? I, I, because it's a full field event. Is it, is it still, cause it was two, oh. it was 2.30 Eastern last week in a 39 man field. I got to feel like it's, Got expected to be early. I was going to guess like 10.30 a.m. Eastern. Yeah, they got to do two waves. Well, let's see. Oh, that doesn't help. I went to look at what Locke was, but that doesn't. Yeah, because they haven't haven't released the tee times yet. I'll look at last year and see. Hold on. I can do this. So they're going to tee off at 7 local. That's like basically when they tee off anyway. So 7 local in Hawaii is going to be 10 a.m. Pacific, which is going to be 1 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. So that's basically when they're going to tee off. Yeah, 7.10 local was uh, what it was last year when Kyle Stanley, Vaughn Taylor, and Eric Van Royen were on the first tee. Yeah, so that's basically one Eastern Thursday. So you have pl- plenty of time to wake up and tinker uh, until then. You should do a live show in the morning. <laughs> yeah, a tinker show. Yeah, you it's should. Thir- I, I don't want to do it. You, you should do it, though. <laughs> nah, that's Thursday's like my day off. No, yeah, it's nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, last day to join the one and done is now. I mean, you can join it up until lock at the Sony Open, but I got a feeling there's not going to be any spots left. So you should go to fantasygolfchampionships.com and go get that now. Play in the listeners league. Link is available down in the description. Fantasynational.com slash mayo gets you 20% off. Smash like two sleepers in the 6K range down in the description. And I'll be back on Wednesday with Jeff Feinberg and Tim Antecast. For the Spread Pick Show, football, rest of the week, I will see you next time. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 